I learned early on that you fight the fights you can win. If you think big and you allow yourself to think big and you believe in your thoughts and you believe in your abilities and yourself, there is no way that you will not do well. What will pull you down? I took the risks that I did, um, that I trusted my instincts, that I got out of my comfort zone. That what they do provides value, that they have a sense of purpose, that they're engaged. Hi there, welcome to the Look for Strength podcast, where we share exceptional stories from exceptional individuals around the world for exceptional listeners. I'm Amay Look, and I'm your host. Donna Abu Nasser was a journalist and bureau chief at the Associated Press and Bloomberg. She's been a part of documenting history and reported some of the Middle East's crucial news stories. She writes with humility and altruism, sharing stories that shed light on the lives of people in war-torn countries. In this podcast, she shares how she unexpectedly fell into journalism, her stance on reporting under media censorship in the Arab world, and the importance of staying balanced and reliable when reporting on sensitive issues. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Look for Strength podcast. I was wondering if you first might be able to give us a quick rundown of your career, where you worked, and um, anything else you'd like to include. I started out as a teacher, and then I became a journalist and a reporter in October 1987, um, just by chance. Um, I never meant or studied to be a reporter. Uh, It just happened, and I fell in love with it from day one. So I started out with AP in Beirut in October 87, and then I... um, moved around, traveled. Um, I worked in Washington, Cairo, Saudi Arabia, um, visited many other Arab countries on reporting trips. And then I joined Bloomberg in March 2011. And I left in March this, uh, this year, actually. Yeah. So what was it that made you decide to become a journalist after being an English instructor? Actually, it wasn't really my decision. I was having a bit of a hard time at the university at that time. uh, The war was still raging, the civil war in Lebanon, and I was getting threatened every single semester by students who never showed up because they were on the the front fighting. Uh, They would come and say, miss, I was feeling um, sandbags. I was fighting, I was whatever. And um, I was fine with it, but the, and that's, that shows you how small Beirut can be. The mother of a friend of mine asked her niece, who was a journalist, if she could find me a job in journalism, because she thought I was under a lot of stress. And that person ran into the person in charge of AP in Beirut at that time. And he said, sure, let her come over. And I had nothing to do with it. That's how it started. And they happened to have a uh, vacancy later on. And um, that's how I joined. uh, That's how I became a reporter. 
So you were a part of setting up the first office of the Associated Press in Saudi in uh, 2008. So Donna, why were you the one to do it? Uh, And what was that like? It was a tiny, tiny bureau. Uh, It was, there was me and a photographer and we had a stringer. It was at the time when the Saudis were allowing, um, we were not the first. There were other um, news organizations there, non-Saudi. Um, but uh, it was quite interesting before, because before September 11, it was quite hard to travel there as a journalist. You could go um, to attend a conference maybe, uh, but you couldn't go on reporting trips the way you can do now or even before when, when we opened the bureau. It was a very interesting um, experience for me, definitely, to open that bureau to be in charge of it at that time. Right. So what was it like to be a journalist in Middle Eastern countries under sometimes authoritarian rule? Um, The one rule I have is, first of all, not to be intimidated by it, Um, because you are there as a reporter, they know you are a reporter, and your job is to go and get the news. And um, as long as I can defend every single word in my story, um, I have no issue. Uh, sometimes you try, you knock on one door, it's closed, you try another door, you try a window, you try another way, you keep, you keep on trying, you, you never give up. But the trick is also not to go on trying and trying when you know that you're not going to get anything. Uh, you also need to know when to give up um, and, and when to know it is okay to give up and then come back to the story again at another point because you cannot waste your time. So basically, the one rule I had was if you can defend every word in the story, then you're fine. So when you moved from the Associated Press to Bloomberg, what were some main differences that you experienced? Mm, the big difference was basically the content. Um, Bloomberg is more focused on finance, economy, energy, all the stuff that I never, ever reported on when I was with AP. And um, making the switch was very scary. I have to say upfront, I'm, I'm not an expert in economy, finance, energy, whatever. I'm more aware of the importance of them when when you report a story and that has made me a much better journalist i have grown a lot after joining bloomberg because um you 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 can see the importance of having these elements in stories and so the switch was very scary and it happened when i was about 50 51 uh, so getting out of my comfort zone and joining bloomberg was not easy but it's an experience that you know, was, was, I cannot tell you how important it was. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad I took it, I did it. Um, so I think the main, the main thing in terms of values, AP and Bloomberg have the same values, but in terms of content, that was the major uh, challenge for me. You worked as a reporter and a bureau chief at both the Associated Press and Bloomberg. Did your perspective shift at all as you moved through the various positions in the news industry? 
you know, it, it is a bit different because uh, as a reporter, I focused mo mostly on politics. When you're a bureau chief, you have to look at the basically whole picture, but I had excellent colleagues with me. And the, the way things work at Bloomberg is that you're not alone, basically. If you're in Saudi, you have colleagues in Dubai and other places who help. So um, it, was, it was quite an interesting experience, also at a very interesting uh, point in time in Saudi also. I'm also kind of wondering what your stance on social media is, because it's changed journalism quite a bit. You've been in the industry for quite a long time, and you also have a Twitter presence. So what's your opinion on it, and how do you think it's helpful, and how do you think it is not helpful? Oh my God, a lot. <laughs> I Look, we tend to romanticize the past, maybe, and I do understand that things have changed in the world, and, and the needs of the leaders... Um, Basically, everything has changed. I cannot report the way I used to report before. I'm not talking about values and standards and so on. I'm talking about the way we did things. For instance, when I started out at AP, I started uh, three years before the civil war ended. And I still remember how whenever there was an explosion, we would just jump uh, uh, one of the drivers had a motorcycle, so if we wanted to go there fast, we would get on a motorcycle, no helmets, nothing, whatever. You just had to go and, and get the news. Um, we didn't have uh, phones, mobile phones with us. The telephone network barely worked in Lebanon. Um, you had to go yourself to get everything, okay? And I remember it was standard for us to... Um, basically uh, describe the sound of the explosion, boom, you know, somebody heard the boom, whatever, loud, not loud, whatever. you had to describe all of that. Now, when something like this happens, you don't really need to go. There will inevitably be a video on social media from a trusted source, and you can do it from a chair, basically report from a chair. And that for me has been extremely difficult because uh, you miss out a lot when you, when you don't go there, when you don't look people in the eye, when you don't smell and hear and touch and feel. Um, it, has, it has made a big difference. But as I said before, things have changed also, and, and you cannot go on doing what you used to do before. And in terms of social media and my presence, I, I, I try to keep a low profile. I don't feel very comfortable for some reason. Probably because at AP, which is really the best place to start as a journalist, I think. Um, it's basically, they teach us, you cannot be the story. You always have to be in the background and that has stayed with me. There's kind of this new movement among journalists to work independently and have news organizations be more like talent agencies where they're hiring talent and hiring individual personalities to present the news. I'm wondering how that kind of differs from your roots in journalism and where you came from at the Associated Press. Basically, it's, it, it's, I don't think it's something that's written, but it's the people that I worked with. Everybody would say, 
keep in mind you are not the story. And this is what you grow up with. Remember when I joined AP, I knew nothing about journalism. So everything I learned, I learned from the great and wonderful people I worked with, extremely talented reporters who, you know, I respect so much and editors and so on. So basically, basically they record history. And that's your mission. Basically, you should um, be as, you should be objective. You should not uh, use adjectives. At least that's how it was before. Um, you should not give your opinion because this is history at the end of the day. So um, that's how, and remember most of my career, I would say we did not have social media. Uh, we, and and that I think has had that has influenced me a lot. That's why when I go to social media, Twitter, and so on, you see my account. I basically tweet stories. And um, when you when you were reporting at AP, when you were reporting on the ground, what were the most kind of emotionally impactful um, interviews that you've done, or things that you've reported on? There have been many. I mean, okay, you interview officials and with all due respect to all officials, uh, I mean, we need to interview them to get news and, you know, but I think the most interesting ones are the ones I did with um, regular human beings. And some of them were really hard. I remember there was the story of one woman, I will not mention where, who was, um, she was 19. And she allowed me to interview her after she was raped by seven men. And the seven men were uh, found guilty, but she also was found guilty uh, because she had met a man and she was not supposed to meet the man. You know, I, I can't elaborate, elaborate more on that, but just, sitting with her and her telling me her story is something that I have not been able to forget. It was one of the most difficult interviews that I have ever done. Um, it was quite emotional and painful. And um, as a journalist, you always try to maintain a distance from the subject, but um, in that case, it was hard not to feel her pain and not to feel frustration because I couldn't help her. Uh, but when the story was out, at least the punishment was lifted because it made big news. So um, that was one of the interviews I will never forget. Um, you know, um, but when you also, I've covered conflicts, uh, in addition to conferences and other stuff. And um, when you go to these areas, you learn a lot. And one of the things that you see is how spoiled we are as human beings, because you go to these places, in some cases, people have barely have food. They live in difficult circumstances. They live in danger, they are at risk, and yet, I have seen the kind of generosity in these places that I have not seen in, you know, very nice, beautiful cities, um, rich cities. 
Um, they're ready to share their food. They're ready to share um, their homes. They go out of their way to make you feel comfortable. Despite all the misery that they are going through, they still have a smile on their faces. So these are the things that now that I'm retired as a full-time journalist, have taken with me um, some of the things I've taken with me from my career. And when you finish interviewing these individuals and reporting on death and reporting on tragedy and hearing all of these stories, how do you go home um, and how do you detach yourself from that at the end of the day? Or do you carry it with you? Do you think about it when you're not at work? Um, when I was covering the war in Lebanon, um, I tried to detach. I remember I would have a soda and I hate soda after going and, and covering something with, you know, human remains or ex explosion or something, violent event. And I would try to push it away. I, I love reading, so I would read or whatever. But then it caught up with me when I moved to Washington in 96. And I had, it wasn't properly diagnosed, but I'm sure I had PTSD because at that time it wasn't well known. And somebody, what I was going through after reading about it now is, I'm sure it was that all the flashbacks, everything comes back at you. I don't think you can bury it and get away with it. At some point, it will, it will come back to you. Um, of course, I'm fine now. And, um, and I have learned to try to process, to try to grieve, but at the same time also maintain a professional distance uh, from the subjects that I interview. I've been reading some of your stories um, that you've written at Bloomberg and the culture ones especially drew me in because I found it extremely captivating how you're able to look into the lives of individuals who are living in these war-torn countries or living in extreme poverty or under strict regimes and really giving the reader a glimpse into their life, which I really think helps build context and empathy for the the stories when you are reporting on war. So what kind of is the difference in um, writing these two types of stories and which one do you enjoy writing more? Oh, I did a lot of those for AP also, uh, but they, you cannot find them online now because it wasn't, uh, uh, it was all, I don't know if you can find them. Anyway, um, I did a lot of them and um, I love doing them because I feel when you are reading uh, like you're listening to the news, right? And um, X country is in the news all the time. For you to really appreciate what is going on beyond the news item, I feel that you need also to know what it's like to be there. And um, even when I was uh, at AP, Saudi Arabia was a very, very, very close country. So when I went there, I felt I couldn't do, maybe I wouldn't be able to do anything and so on. But, you know, beneath that very harsh uh, surface, it, there was life. There were people in, enjoying Valentine's even then. Okay, it was banned. Some people got into trouble because they were wearing 
white salesmen wearing white uh, in the days before Valentine's, they would get detained for a couple of days or whatever. But you know what? It was fine. People were still having fun. So I feel that those stories are important because they, they give you an idea of what it's like to be in that country. And it makes you maybe feel more interested in hearing more about it in the news. Right. And so kind of on the other hand, what is the most difficult story you've ever covered? You know, we are all human beings and, and we do have opinions that, that we try to keep to ourselves. We do not write uh, opinion pieces or give our opinion in our stories. And when you are trying to be objective, when you feel strongly about something, um, I, I cannot give examples, but um, it really takes a lot of discipline. And I got that discipline at AP. Um, and so this has remained with, with me throughout my career. Um, that That is the most difficult thing. I mean, there's difficulty, other kinds of difficulty, for instance, when you're covering a conflict or a war or you're, you're basically scared. You do get scared, but you go ahead and do it, not because anybody forces you. No one forces anybody to go to these places. And I was just wondering if there's anything else you'd like to add in terms of skills that you've developed throughout your career, think, advice that you have for young journalists, anything else? Um, look, uh, my advice would be enjoy it. This is a career that is meant to be enjoyed, uh, like any other career, like any other profession. Uh, for me, I never thought of it as a career. It's a passion. And if you don't have that passion, don't do it. Look for something else. And the second thing is, um, looking back now on my career, I'm almost 63. Um, I think I'm, I'm so happy that um, I took the risks that I did, um, that I trusted my instincts, that I got out of my comfort zone. It, this may not work for everybody, but I discovered that it works for me. And um, if you can do it, please do it, because the rewards can be amazing. Um, that's my only advice. Thank you so much, Donna. That's very inspiring to hear as an aspiring journalist myself. I really appreciate everything that you shared with me um, and the people who listen to this podcast today. And I, um, I just urge everyone who's listening to it to read some of your stories on Bloomberg or if on AP, do you think that they would be able to find them on AP or are they kind of Maybe because what happened is I think at a, they were published by newspapers. So if they are in the archives of the newspapers, they can Google my name and maybe they would come up. Or to follow you on Twitter. Maybe you have reposted some on Twitter. <laughs> maybe. But, <laughs> but yes, thank you so much, Donna, for Thanks coming on to the and podcast. Thank you.